Welcome to Southern Sisters Radio, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Join us as we celebrate life from a Southern point of view. Here's your host, author, founder of Southern Sisters Home and true Southern sister, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Southern Sisters Radio Program, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Now, if you are within the sound of my voice, you are either one, a woman, or two, a man. <laughs> of course, there's my dog, Dixie. She's at home listening to the show. Also. Oh, yes. That's a different category. <laughs> but you are either a man or a woman. In either case, you either are either a Southern woman yourself or you know one and likely adore one. And this show is for you. It is. We talk about some of the most... Wonderful, really. Don't you think, Nick? Wonderful things on this show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I've learned so much. Have you really? Oh, yes. I am imparting my knowledge to you. <laughs> you can refer to me as Obi-Wan. <laughs> I am the Southern Obi-Wan. <laughs> now, we talk about food. We talk about culture. Oh, yes. We talk about etiquette, don't we? Oh, of course. We, we don't really delve into anything too terribly serious, which I kind of like that no. about our show. You like to have fun. I do like to have fun. <laughs> and there's enough seriousness on the air already. And seriousness has its place, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Right? We like to stay informed. I know that I do. And there's been a lot in the news lately. You know what, though? I had an exciting morning. Oh, you did? Yesterday morning. Yesterday okay. morning, yes. I actually got to get up and watch my husband appear on Fox News. Nice. He was on Fox and Friends at about That's 8.15 awesome. yesterday morning. Yes. That is awesome. It was so adorable. I was such a dork. I was up near the TV, like with my cell phone, <laughs> taking pictures. And um, he, for those of you that know, my husband is uh, State Representative Earl Earhart. He is the longest-serving Republican in the Georgia House of Representatives. And this, a wonderful man, married me last January. That's got, awesome. Yeah, we got married on New Year's Day. So, <laughs> so nice. I have to tell you, he looks so adorable in his pinstripe <laughs> suit and his blue tie. I often like to tell him there is nothing more attractive than a good conservative man in a tie. You know, I'm speaking only of my husband. Did he spend a little bit more time in the mirror that morning? He had to leave the house at five o'clock. So I only saw his shadow like walking across the room. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I'll watch it. I'll watch it, you know, on TV. (laughs) Anyway, it was very, it was very, I was super proud of him. And there's been a little other excitement uh, at my house actually this week. Those of you have heard me mention my dog Dixie before. Mm -hmm. And I know for a fact that we have a lot of dog lovers listening to our show. Okay. Oh, yes. I'm the biggest dog lover there ever was. Her <laughs> name is Dixie, the Wonder Dog. The Wonder Dog. Yeah. We had a little adventure yesterday. A little little life in the South, a Southern adventure. Because uh-huh. uh, life is always interesting with a dog in the house. Life can be even more interesting if your dog is in the car with oh, you. Oh, no. Yeah. So about, uh, about a year ago, before I was married to Earl, I lived in a different house. And we lived on a little house out by a lake. Um, in the middle of uh, the woods. Mm. And when I would drive off of the main paved road, Mm -hmm. my my driveway was about a quarter mile long and it was a gravel road and it went deep into the woods. And Mm. it was was the most wonderful house. I loved living there. And Dixie lived there with me. Mm -hmm. And we had a little routine. She would occasionally run errands with me. You know, we'd go out and do things and uh, she'd come with me to the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, that kind of thing, right? (laughs) So anyway, as we would pull onto the gravel driveway, we had a little routine where I would roll down the passenger side window, allow Dixie to jump out of the car onto the driveway, right? There was nobody else back there, no traffic. And we would race each other to the house. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so she would take off like a bullet. Mm -hmm. Now, the nice thing about Australian Shepherds is they are quite agile and very speedy. Yes. I used to love to watch her form because she would lower her head. She would become aerodynamic. You know what I'm saying? She would kick into gear and that dog could run. She still can. Anyway, she um, I always, you know, 
let her win. Of course. Because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. Or, you know. <laughs> is that what it was? Well, I didn't want to damage her self-esteem. She is an Australian shepherd. She, has, she needs lots of affirmation. So anyway, this was a routine. We did it almost every day. Fast forward to yesterday. Uh, so she still likes to run errands with me, right? We run around, but now I live in a neighborhood, okay, with mm-hmm. neighbors and in a fairly busy part of town with lots of traffic. So we were coming home from running errands yesterday, and I am approaching my house, but we were still in pretty heavy traffic. And just because it was a beautiful day, believe it or not, you know, December, oh, well, yeah, and it was yeah, in the 60s, nice. I rolled down the passenger side window just to get uh, some fresh air. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. So Dixie took that as her cue that it was time to race home and out the window, she jumped at an intersection. Oh, no. Yeah, she did. That crazy Dixie the Wonder Dog. And I bet she was bullet speed. She was. Well, she didn't quite know where to go. That was the problem. We were at an intersection. Um, She couldn't see our home yet. So I, uh, yeah, there was a little momentary, you know, panic there. I put the car in to what park. Did, yeah, what did you do? Well, you know, of course, my initial reaction was fear for her safety because there was uh-huh. traffic around. But I, I did what uh, any good Southern woman would do, calm Southern woman. I got out of the car and started waving my hands like a maniac and screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> Don't hit my dog! Don't hit my dog! And I'm running after Dixie and she's confused and, she's, and I'm trying to corral her back and get her back into the car, <sighs> which I eventually did. And so she was, uh, for those of you that are concerned about the wealthy, you know, well-being of our four-legged friends, <laughs> Dixie, I will assure you, was unharmed. But I'm now playfully referring to this as Dixie's big adventure. <laughs> Sounds almost like mm. Dixie's great escape, doesn't right? it? <laughs> well, that's even better. <laughs> I do love that dog. But for those of you that do love your dogs, too, you know, we love dog stories here at the Southern Sisters mm-hmm. Radio Program. Uh, For those of you that don't know, I'm currently working on my third book, which is called Southern Dogs. Yes, that's awesome. Oh, we would be profiling dogs from all over the South. If you've got a great uh, canine story for us, you know, about your Southern dog, we would love (laughs) to hear it. You know, it's good. We'll share it on the air. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of... uh... Silly ones and heroic ones and everything in between. Absolutely. (laughs) Email us, y'all. We would love to hear it. You can email me at radio at southernsistershome.com. Tell me about your dog story. Okay? How about that? Yeah. Guess what else we have this week? What else is well, going on as this As you week? recall, we gave away cookbooks last oh, week. Oh, yes. Yeah, we yes. gave away uh, two cookbooks, two copies of my latest book, which is Seasons in the South. Congratulations. A little think, holiday present for, it was a nice, for some folks early, right? Yeah, yeah. We're doing it again today. There you go. There you go, folks. You will be. I have a chance to win uh, a free copy and autographed, no less. Oh. And personalized. Very nice. Personalized with your name in it. Super special. A uh, copy of my latest cookbook. All you have to do is, uh, you know, Nick, we don't make it difficult. No, it's not hard. Email us at radio at southernsistershome.com. Let me know you'd like a copy of my latest cookbook. And the first two people to do so, you know, shall receive, right? The uh, personalized copy yeah. of Jimmy's latest cookbook. Right? Like, That's don't awesome. you want one? Oh, to yes, Nick? of course. To Nick. Here we go. Okay, guys, <laughs> but guess what? Last week we had the sweetest response from one of our listeners. She actually did win a cookbook last yes. week, right? I'm going to give a little shout out. She doesn't know I'm doing this. I'm going to call her our Southern Sisters fan of the week, Tish McElroy. Hey, Tish. Yes. Hey, girlfriend. (laughs) Anyway, Tish was able to receive a a copy of my latest book. And I have to tell you, you know how you just have a day when everything's difficult? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We all have them. Yeah. Busy, hard, complicated. Anyway, it was one of those days. And my administrative assistant came to me and said, we got a sweet message from one of our listeners. So uh, I'll tell you what, Nick, why don't you share it with us? Okay. So from Tish, she says... 
Hey there, thank you so much. I'm a huge fan of the show and really happy to be hearing it on Saturday and Sunday. Maybe you've always broadcast it both days, but I was only aware of Sunday till recently. So yes, folks, you can listen to it twice, three times, technically. Mm -hmm. Ginny's demeanor, spunk, great delivery, and super expansive knowledge of food is amazing and wonderfully helpful. I'm a fellow foodie who also loves food and considers it one of the biggies in my life. I cook from scratch and share my food self with others all the time. If we're going to eat it, we might as well make it healthy and yummy. Oh, yeah, Tish. Totally agree with that, Tish. Yes, (laughs) yes. I am trying hard to get my girlfriends to tune in. You have no excuse not to, folks. I'm nearly at the point of begging them for their own good. I'm a radio person, but most people out there just aren't, so it's a little bit of an uphill battle. But if you listen to Southern Sisters once, it's not an uphill battle. That's this right. This is fun. Right. You'll be hooked. I will continue. It's like, it's like crack for the ear. Oh, yes. Yeah. I will continue my crusade. Yes, Tish. Um. Please do. <laughs> she also wants to express how much she loves the Southern narrative segments. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those are fun. Each one is precious, illuminating, intellectually satisfying, and, well, good soul food for us always starved. We know who we are, and you, Jenny, know who they are, too. Uh. Thank you so much. Yes, and she says in closing, thanks for putting everything on your lovely website, too. Ah, yes, forget, indeed. Folks, you can get it all on the on the Southern Sisters Home re- mm-hmm. uh, website. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. I, got, I got a little free labor with that website, my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I really do need to start paying her. <laughs> Tish, sweetheart, thank you so much for your kind words. You absolutely made my day. I just appreciate all of our listeners. And uh, let me tell you, we got a great show. So I hope you're listening, Tish, as well as all of everyone else, all of our Southern Sisters. We have got a cookie swap today. Cookie Hello. swap? Uh, Oh, yeah. It's coming up, and we are going to have some fun. We'll be right back. Turn off the telly, Nelly. Come to the table, Mabel. Now sit up straight, Kate. It's time to eat, Pete. Have a banana, Hannah. Try the salami, Tommy. Get with the gravy, Davy. Everybody eats when they come to my house. And welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio Program. Once again, my favorite segment, the food segment. There's always so much food to talk about. Because, oh, yes. Yeah, well, there's so much food in the world and so much of it that I eat. And you make so much good food. Uh, I, I got, I got a few good recipes under my belt. I will say that. Well, me and every other good Southern woman, uh, yes. right, that has ever graced the presence of a kitchen, right? We do know how to cook. It's one of the things we do best. Um, but as I always say, we also eat very well. And cooking is a means and to an end. you all have that one. You can't watch. You don't get to know what goes I know, in it. right? <laughs> you don't want. There's always one. Yeah. Are you a big fan of the Food Network? Nick, do you ever watch uh, Food Network? Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. a little bit more of a fan of like the contest shows. Now, see, My girlfriend loves it, watching them. I will read a recipe. Yeah. I can't watch them on TV because I, I don't remember any of them. I gotcha. So. Yeah, yeah. And there's two two camps of people on that, I think. Now, my, my husband, my you know, some of my kids love the competition shows, mm-hmm. like what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. My friend loves like Top Chef and some of those. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what? Those things just, I don't know why, they kind of make me nervous. I, I can see that. Have, high, high anxiety. Could you imagine cooking some of your recipes? You got 30 minutes and no. that's it. You chop a finger off, right? I would chop that's, a finger That's my thought. Off. I would chop a finger off. You know, I remember a few years back, I had a number of people trying to get me to enter one of the, um, like, next um, Food Network, one of those yeah. contests. And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, and, and here, there are different types of cooks. And if you are a spectator and enjoy watching the competition, I understand how that can be mm-hmm. engaging. But for me as a cook and someone who writes cookbooks, I'm more of a... You know, hang out in the kitchen, 
put a little Miles Davis on the radio, mm. on the stereo, uh, pour myself a glass of Pinot Noir. You know what I'm saying? There you go. Just home from the farmer's market, start tossing <laughs> things together, you know, a lot of wine, you know, and sometimes a little in the food, too. Yeah, right? yeah of course. <laughs> That's me. You know what I'm saying? That's why I love uh, the Barefoot Contessa. Uh, um, I also like uh, the Prairie Woman. You know, I like yes. I like Reed Drummond. I like these sort of laid back, let's cook and hang out in the kitchen type of recipes. I would say That's you me. definitely fall into that category. Yeah, man. absolutely. Yes. Yeah, calm, the, not too excitable. Chair. I think it's my <laughs> at my advanced age. I can't handle. The, <laughs> Come I, on now, I can't handle the excitement. You oh. know what I'm saying? The chop when the clock is count. Have you seen that one? What is the one um, chopped when when the clock That's is four, counting three, down? Two, one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, it's literally you got to get it plated. You got to get it plated. They're running out of time and they're well, slopping the, stuff on the plate. Well, and I'm, a little secret away and break the fourth wall of media. You oh. know that they really get about 55 minutes, right? What? Absolutely. They get about what? 55 minutes. That, stop that? Clocks at, that clock stops at 22 and like 1430. Yeah. There's a couple different ones you will never see the clock time ah. just because they stop it for a little this while. This is insider information. Mm-hmm. This is top secret, you top imp- chef information. Can you cook a perfect no. filet mignon with two side dishes and everything else in 25 minutes? I could, but it wouldn't look pretty. Exactly. Mm. And they can't eat. Okay. So. I gotcha. Well, you know what? <laughs> Speaking of food, you know what this segment is all about. Oh, yes. It's all about good, great food. Uh-huh. And Cookie swap. Yes. We're doing a cookie swap. Now, have you guys ever been to a cookie swap? I just, to me, they're just fun. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a Southern thing. I mean, I'm not so sure if they do it that much in other parts of the country, but I love the concept that you invite a group of your friends to your house, right? And uh, everyone is instructed to bring, I think, a dozen cookies to share at the event and a dozen cookies to send home with someone else. But you package them up in smaller packages, mm-hmm. right? So the idea is that you come, you eat cookies and have fun and drink coffee or wine or whatever and have a good time at your event. But then everybody gets to go home with little bags of samplings of everybody else's cookies, mm-hmm. right? Yes. What's not to love? I just think it's a great concept. I right? love doing that with my mom when I was a kid because I didn't have to make any of the Ooh. cookies and I got to eat a bunch of different well, ones. Well, you know, that's, that's the way the kids, kids have it made. <laughs> Mama does all the work and kids get to enjoy it. But you know what we're doing? We are profiling some of my top uh, Christmas cookie recipes today on the show. Yes. Now, let me assure you guys, everything we talk about today will be on the website. Great recipes there and beautiful photographs. Mm. All you have to do is go to southernsistershome.com, click on the blog. Right, you can poke around at other stuff if you want there too. <laughs> All kinds of good stuff on there. Um, anyway, you can you can look at the recipes there. Everything we talk about today will be listed. Let's start with number one. Ready? Which is the chocolate snowballs. Ooh. Now that just sounds good, yes. doesn't it? Right? Of course, that's because anything with chocolate in it is uh, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you are gonna love these. They are little chocolate nuggets dusted in confectioner sugar. I'm mm. showing Nick a picture right now. It's just they're, they're oh my sweet. gosh, they're sweet and cute, aren't oh, they? Oh, that looks delicious. Here's what you have to do, guys. You want to start with a 350 degree oven in a large bowl. You are going to cream together a three fourths of a cup of butter, a half a cup of sugar, and a half a teaspoon of salt until light and fluffy. Mm-hmm. You're going to beat in one egg and two teaspoons of vanilla. This is not rocket science, guys. This is an easy Mm -hmm. one. Gradually beat in two cups of flour, and then you're going to stir in one cup of chopped pecans and one cup of chocolate chips. Mm. I mean... I always pretty much have pecans around the house. So I will tell you just about everything in this recipe is stuff you may already have in your kitchen. You're going to shape the dough into one inch balls, right? You're going to place them two inches apart on an ungreased cookie sheet and bake for 15 to 20 minutes or until the bottoms are set, right? And they're kind of lightly browned. You're going to cool it for about two minutes. And then you're going to roll these warm balls of amazing chocolate cookie Mm. in confectioner's sugar. 
Okay. That sounds so good. Ah, yeah. Cool completely on wire racks and uh, and enjoy. Go to town. Uh-huh. Mm-mm-mm. So, so enjoyable. That recipe will be on the website. I'm making those. That's, that, that's that yummy messy. Making those tonight. sugar on the yeah, outside. Oh. Right. I would eat those while they're still warm. Mm. I have eaten them while they're oh, still yeah. warm. Okay. While we're in the chocolate genre, I'm going to suggest, secondly, <clears throat> my chocolate thumbprint cookies. Can I tell you? And they're so. Oh yes. Well, first of all, they're also quite beautiful. Once again, I'm showing Nick. Oh, those are very pretty little. Sometimes you know thumbprint cookies kind of look messy. No, these are these are these are delicate and beautiful. They're they're artistically pleasing, don't you think? Folks, go to the website and check out the photograph. You're gonna love it and whip some of these up for the people you love. Mm -hmm. I suggest doing it this weekend. Now for the chocolate thumbprint cookies. Once again, as with any good recipe, we start with a lot of butter and sugar. I just suggest stocking up. Let's yeah, just, you might as well. You know, you're it's going, that time of year. You have to. Lots of butter, lots of sugar. I know they put this stuff. They put my butter on sale. Buy one, get one free at Publix all the time. Buy it up, buy it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stock up. In a large bowl, you're going to cream a half a cup of softened butter and two-thirds of a cup of sugar until light and fluffy. Mm-hmm. You're going to beat in one egg yolk, two tablespoons of milk, and one teaspoon of vanilla. After that, you're going to combine one cup of flour, a third of a cup of baker's cocoa, so just the powdered, one-fourth teaspoon of salt, and gradually add that to the creamed mixture and stir it well. You want to cover and refrigerate it for about an hour or until it's easy to handle. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Play-Doh. You know, we want it nice and firm so that you can handle it. In a small bowl, bowl, boil, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm getting excited about the cookies. In a small bowl, you're going to whisk one egg white until foamy. Now, you're going to shape that dough into one-inch balls and dip each one in the egg white, then roll it in one cup of finely chopped nuts. Ooh. Now, my original recipe called for walnuts, but here in the South, I tend to gravitate towards pecans mm-hmm. or pecans, as my pecans. husband would say. <laughs> yes, he corrects me on that one. <laughs> Place them on ungreased baking sheets using a wooden handle, right from a, a spoon, or I should say the handle of a wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. You're going to make an indentation in the center of each cookie. Bake it for 350, 10 to 12 minutes or or until the center is set. Now, for the filling of this yummy cookie, you're going to combine a half a cup of confectioner's sugar, one tablespoon of butter, two teaspoons of milk, just to to wet it, and a fourth of a teaspoon of vanilla. Stir it till smooth. You can spoon about a fourth of a teaspoon of each each of this mixture into these warm cookies, Mm -hmm. right into the center, and then gently press a chocolate kiss in the center. Mm -hmm. You got it? Oh, yeah. Carefully remove it from the pans and set it out to cool. So you you want to fill those indentations and put those chocolate kisses in there while the cookies are still warm. Hello, beautiful. Come to me. Is that not? About the closest thing to a lava cookie. That you can get, right? You know what? I agree with that. It and is. It's so yummy. It is indeed, oh. is it not? I, you know, how about this one? My mini cinnamon roll cookies. Oh, now let me tell you guys, intense cinnamon flavor fills this yummy cross between a snickerdoodle and a cinnamon roll. Mm-hmm. They are best with a cup of coffee. Oh, yes. I could eat these for breakfast. Okay. For the, it, for the, you can or you have? I can, I can, I, I have. I confess. <laughs> yeah, it's called it's called cookie breakfast. Oh yeah, right, no no problem. Best and way to start. Your I'm day. not apologizing, Nick. So don't expect <laughs> me to. Guys, for the mini cinnamon roll cookies in a large bowl, once again we're going to cream some butter, one cup softened and one and a fourth cup sugar until light and fluffy. You're going to beat in three egg yolks and a tablespoon of honey and a fourth of a teaspoon of vanilla. Separately, you're going to combine two and a half cups flour, one teaspoon of baking powder, a half a teaspoon of salt, and a half a teaspoon of cream of tartar. 
right? Mm -hmm. Gradually add the two together and mix well. Now, you're going to shape a heaping tablespoonful of dough into a six-inch log, kind of like Play-Doh. Now, we used to roll them out on the counter, right? In a shallow bowl, you're going to combine one tablespoon of cinnamon and a half a cup of sugar. You're going to roll each log in the cinnamon sugar. Loosely coil the log into a spiral shape. You know what I mean, Nick? Oh, you're, yeah. roll, you're turning it around like it's a cinnamon roll. Place it on a greased baking sheet, okay? Repeat that with the rest of the dough. You're going to bake them at 350 for 8 to 10 minutes or until set. Ooh. Before they go into the oven, dust them with more cinnamon sugar. Of course. Hello, beautiful. That. Cinnamon mm. roll cookies. Mm. It's breakfast time. Oh, yeah. Let's go eat. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back, folks. Hannah! Davey! Welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. We're in the third segment now. You know, uh, during the commercial break, uh, Nick and I were sort of contemplating the the concept of cookies for breakfast. Now, you may recall that we, we mentioned that in the last segment. We were talking Especially about Especially those yummy. delicious cinnamon roll cookies. Right, Ooh. right. And so, uh, you know, I have always believed that cookies are a perfectly acceptable breakfast food. And I rationalized that by thinking about the concept of Danish, right, muffins. Oh, yeah. Those are all flour and sugar and mm-hmm. butter, too, right? Mm-hmm. This is just in a different format. That's all it Correct. is, right? So a cup of cookie and one of my cinnamon roll cookies. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, did I say a cup of cookie? Cup of cookie. A cup of cookie. A cup uh, of cookie-flavored coffee. I haven't had enough coffee. <laughs> a cup of coffee and any of the cookies that we mentioned in the last segment would be perfectly acceptable. And Nick was indicating that he kind of craves cookies for breakfast in the wintertime. And so oh. I was I was thinking about that. And, you know, I do think that maybe there might be a biological reason for that. There may be, it may be an issue of uh, survival. I would agree with that. To our species. You, 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 you instinctively want to pack on a few pounds in the winter to yeah. keep warm. That's my, that's my theory, you know. and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. You agree? That's what I, yeah. yeah. So when you gain a few pounds around the holidays, it's not because you're eating too much food in the holidays. Right. It's because, you know, you're, you're ready for winter. That's right. Exactly. So, so folks, don't ever apologize for cookies for breakfast, particularly in the wintertime. You have the endorsement of the Southern Sisters radio program. Oh, yes. Don't apologize. In fact, no. we actually encourage it. We encourage as much as possible. <laughs> no, yes. Have that cookie for breakfast. A few a little extra calories is probably exactly what your body needs to survive the cold winter. There you go. Guess what our next segment is about, though, Nick? We are talking about 12 things. Well, actually, we may not quite get to 12. We may run out of time. But things that Southerners do differently than anyone else. You mean things Southerners do better than everyone else? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, listen to to the list first, and then you can determine whether they're they're better. They're definitely different, and I think some of them are definitely better also. But I do want to kind of preface this by saying that, um, you know, we... um, we have a certain way of doing things in the South, mm-hmm. and I don't think that we should apologize for that. We may sometimes get chastised or criticized by folks from, oh, I don't know, other parts of the, uh, you know, country. Yankees. Yeah, oh, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. what? Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, don't apologize, folks. <laughs> Nick sure doesn't. <laughs> so let me, let me give you number one, okay? And this is something that I do think that we do differently, and I'm not trying to imply that our northern neighbors are not friendly when they want to be. But number one here in the South, no matter the relationship, we're going to wave at you. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I do this all the time, right? So, do you know the jogger that just passed in front of you at the crosswalk, you know, or the the, the frazzled woman in the sedan pulling out of the Piggly Wiggly? Well, m- maybe, but probably not. But as a Southerner, you feel a type of obligation to stretch out your hand for at least three seconds and give a nod to every person you see passing by, right? 
Absolutely. I do this uh, all the time, right? If it's not a hand wave, it's the nod, yeah. it's the smile, and yeah. the look. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just because it's just we were raised right, Nick. Uh-huh. That's what it is. We like to acknowledge your presence even if we don't know you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if you don't reciprocate a wave back to us, well, then you're just a jerk. I'm a little flustered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. No, and I will tell you one important thing here is that when you do this waving, when you acknowledge your neighbors, I would like to give a little cautionary tale. I would like to tell a cautionary okay. tale of how this can go uh, not so well. Uh-oh. Okay. Sometimes as women here in the South, and I am speaking from personal experience here, we sometimes like to dart out and run errands, um, shall we say, less than fully assembled. Okay. Okay, and what I what I what I mean by that is we break the rules that our mama taught us, and we go out without our makeup and earrings, right? Okay, fair enough. And I have been known to dart out of the house to run a quick errand, looking like something you would not want to bring home to mama. <laughs> okay, I'm talking no makeup, <sighs> hair in a ponytail. Okay, ladies, you all know you've done it, right? Men, Sweatpants. You've seen your ladies do it. You know, definitely after the honeymoon's over, you've seen your women do it. Okay, so we dart out of the house because we're just going to run somewhere looking bad, okay? And I always say to myself, I'm not going to see anybody I know. And, of course, that's when I run into the pastor's wife at of Publix course. or something like that. But I will tell you, real quick, a cautionary tale. I was once returning to my home after running a quick errand in, in said state, meaning uh, looking, looking quite uh, a little harried and not looking so good. Just right? out of bed. Just out of bed, hair in a ponytail, you know, just terrible looking. And uh, as I'm pulling into my driveway at my house, I see a neighbor approaching me, coming the opposite direction. She was power walking. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. Power walking towards mm-hmm. me. And as I'm driving towards her, I, I, I know that we're both going to probably get to my driveway at about the same time. <laughs> And I really didn't want her to see me looking like something the cat dragged in. So I said to myself, I'm going to speed up, pull into the driveway and just get into the garage and shut the garage door before she gets to my house so that I don't have to interact with mm-hmm. her. Yeah. I know that's terrible. Very unsouthern like of me. This is what happens, folks, when you abandon your, your, you know, your southern responsibility to acknowledge everyone with a wave. So I speed up. I pull into my driveway. I push the button on my garage door opener. The garage door opener opens and I have it timed just right. I always do. I have it timed just right so that I can pull into my garage while the garage door is still going up. And then I can press the return button, meaning bringing the garage door back down just as I clear the the garage door. You see what I'm saying? I've been I've done it a thousand times, right? Well, I was a little anxious this time. Mm. Pulled in a little bit too quickly, oh, right? No. Hit in my anxiousness, not to be observed by my neighbor, right? In my said unattractive state, I pressed the button on the garage door opener to have it come back down, and I had not quite gotten oh, the minivan no. all the way into the garage. Oh no. The handle on the garage door hooked the luggage rack on the top of my minivan. And as I continued to pull into said garage, I ripped the entire garage door off of its tracks. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It made a sound like a crashing locomotive. So now not only did your neighbor power walking come up to see Uh if you were okay, but so did the neighbor next door cutting his grass. Indeed. So the garage door is half laying on top of my minivan. I look in my rearview mirror and what do you think I see? Standing in my driveway, hands on her hips, but staring at me. But my neighbor. <laughs> Jenny, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, I'm fine. Yeah. Okay, folks, that's my cautionary <laughs> Just a tale. Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down and wave to your neighbors. It doesn't matter if your makeup is done and your earrings are on. Got it? <laughs> on to number two ways that Southerners are different. Okay. 
food is actually our way of life. It's not just something we consume. It's a way of life. Cajun shrimp, creamy grits, and thick andouille sausage marinated in a Cajun butter sauce. How about that? Doughy dumplings soaked in chicken broth. Fried green tomatoes dunked in Cajun remoulade. Sweet buttered cornbread. Hello. Mm -hmm. Pecan pie held together by Cairo syrup. Biscuits covered in pepper white gravy. Juicy peach cobbler with vanilla bean ice cream. Hello. My mouth Fried, is watering yeah? over here. Fried chicken and waffles with hot syrup. Oh. Sweet tea. Enough said. Mm-hmm. Do I have to say anything else? Mm-mm. Let's move on to number three. Now, we believe that snowpocalypse can happen with just a few inches of snow. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Now, a simple weather forecast might go like this. Well, we're not really sure what we know about what we're talking about here, but there's a chance there may be three inches of snow this weekend, but we're not sure. That will result in the grocery stores turning into post-apocalyptic wastelands. Mm-hmm. And the road's being abandoned in a chaotic mess of slush, right? Whenever we get a few inches of snow in the South, someone has a baby in their car while taking 18 hours to drive 3.5 miles to the hospital, right? And Chick-fil-A will send the National Guard to deliver fried chicken meals to stranded passengers. Mm -hmm. But then again, what do you expect when the city only supplies three salt trucks? (laughs) And two of them wreck on their way out of the parking lot (laughs) into each other. (laughs) Uh, You know, when it happens, everybody's got to get those milk sandwiches. This is very true. Milk and bread. (laughs) Because we might be stuck in the house for at least a day or two, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Number four, we don't take religion or football lightly. No. We've mentioned this at the Southern Sisters show Mm -hmm. before. With a church always in a rock's throw, there's a reason it's called the Bible Belt. But you won't fully get the experience until you drive past a tent with snake handlers drinking strychnine or overhear a prayer group blessing the football game later that night. Mm-hmm. Roll Tide? <laughs> or in my case, War Eagle. War Eagle. There in my husband's go. case, go dogs. <laughs> Number five, our cologne of choice, off insect repellent. now folks i will say this depends on what part of the south you live in the further south you go the more likely you're going to have uh gnats as your constant companion right so unless you want to pick gnats out of your eyes or slap yourself every five seconds to keep mosquitoes from feasting on you during the humid summers you better douse yourself in bug spray like it's chanel number five Mm -hmm. got it okay number six we monogram everything we own This is also true. <laughs> now, I don't know. We're not really speaking for the men here too much. I don't know. You see a lot of trucks that what? don't have the have the quite not so fancy writing on the That's back. True. That's not a lady driving That's that truck. That's true. Yeah. And you know what? I do think my husband has a shirt with this monogram on the, on the cuff. Mm-hmm. You yep. know? Yeah. There you go, folks. We do it. Really, nobody does it better when it comes to us. How about number eight? We can stretch any. Actually, this is number seven. We can stretch any single syllable word into at least two syllables. Right, Nick? Yep. Mm-hmm. How about that? Number eight, we react to every misfortune with a casserole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Death in the family, a nasty divorce, a flat tire. There's no tragedy that doesn't warrant a casserole. However, discovering that your frid- fridge won't close because it's slammed full of chicken and green bean casserole dishes that you'll eventually return kind of feels like a tragedy itself. <laughs> Not to mention the handwritten thank you note you know you now are expected to uh-huh. mail. Hello. I love life in the South. We're quirky, but we're real. And Very you know you, true. Yeah, and everyone loves us. They do. Folks, that was awesome. Let me know what you think about this. And remember, we're giving away two free cookbooks. Please email me. Tell me what you think of the show, and I'll send you one. First two people get, get copies, right? Yeah. Just email me at radio at southernsistershome.com.
Southern Sisters Radio Show. Now, with your Southern narrative, sharing stories from around the South, here is your host, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Sweet Tea, a Love Story by Allison Glock from the Southerner's Handbook, A Guide to Living the Good Life. My mother's sweet tea was not the best. Perhaps this is because she was from West Virginia, a place where people drink sweet tea with some ambivalence. Or maybe because in Jacksonville, Florida, where I was raised, delicious sweet tea could be found for $1.99 at the local supermarket in sweaty gallon jugs with nothing but the word sweet and the date stamped on the plastic. She still made sweet tea, of course, being a Southern woman of whom having iced tea on hand is expected. But instead of sugar, my mother used sweet and low, which is kind of like making chocolate cake with dirt. She insisted no one could tell the difference. They're both sweet, she said. For most of my youth, any sweet tea I consumed came from a fast food restaurant, usually those specializing in fried chicken or ribs. Soda was not allowed in our bodies or even our house, except for Tab. For Mother, until they figured out the chemical that made Tab sweet also made rats insane. Then, all soft drinks were forbidden. Sweet tea, however, was fine, even though the health benefits of drinking sweet tea are akin to those of drinking icing. My father, a doctor, explained to me that sweet tea is the devil's brew, blood sugar-wise. A glass of sweet tea is around 22% sugar, twice that of a can of cola. Add to that the free refills one is accustomed to getting with sweet tea, and you're looking at enough sugar to choke Augustus Gloop. When you drink sweet tea, your body starts to pump out insulin like water from a fire hose. Then you have the caffeine, which stimulates your adrenaline, which confuses your metabolism and keeps you from feeling sated, as one normally would after swallowing that much sweetness. Only a select few can eat seven pieces of cheesecake at a sitting, for example. But nearly everyone I know nods and says, just one more, when the lunch lady comes around toting the clear pitcher with the rubber band snapped around the handle. Say what you will, but sweet tea is the real hillbilly heroin. To say Southerners drink sweet tea like water is both true and not. True because the beverage is served at every meal, and all times and venues in between, at church and at strip clubs, at preschool and in nursing homes. Not true because unlike water or wine or even Coca-Cola, sweet tea means something. It is a tell, a tradition. Sweet tea isn't a drink, really. It's culture in a glass, like Guinness in Ireland. When I was stuck in New York for a stint, a bout of homesickness led me to get the words sweet tea tattooed on my left arm. I could think of nothing else that so perfectly encapsulated the south of my pining. Now that I've moved home, it serves less as a touchstone and more as a drink order. Theories abound. Southerners prefer sweet tea because back in the day we used sugar as a preservative and our palates grew to crave the taste. Southerners like sweet tea because it is served ice cold and it is hot as biscuits down here. Southerners like sweet tea because we are largely descended from Celts and Brits, making a yearning for tea a genetic imperative. 
Southerners like sweet tea because Southerners are poor and tea is cheap. Cheaper than beer, anyway. Southerners like sweet tea because it is non-alcoholic, but it still gives you a hearty, if somewhat diabolical, buzz. No matter the source, our affection for sweet tea characteristically reaches religious fervor. Ask any Southerner where the best tea is served, and he or she will have an opinion. I once knew a man who would drive 45 minutes to a South Georgia Chick-fil-A because it had what he deemed the tea of the gods. This is not the sort of devotion that one finds with other beverages, even coffee. Coffee is an addiction. Sweet tea, an obsession. We are similarly evangelical about how best to prepare sweet tea. The basic recipe is undemanding. You brew a handful of bags of Lipton or Louisiana or whatever Pico you prefer. Pour the hot tea over a mound of sugar or simple syrup. Add water to dilute to taste. Stir and serve over ice with or without lemon. The amount of sugar is up to the maker, but generally runs somewhere between cotton candy sweet and sweet enough to liquefy your teeth. Some people like to get fancy, adding raspberries, using a coffee maker to brew the blend, sneaking in baking soda to tame the bitterness. These people are annoying. Sweet tea should be just that. Any differences should come from the alchemy of proportion and tea selection not questionable, post-brewed, kitchen sinkian doctoring. Save that for barbecue sauce. Also irritating? The nouveau tradition of some restaurants serving the tea unsweet, with a little jug of simple syrup on the side. Sweet tea isn't meant to be precious. It is a guzzle drink. Recipes for sweet tea exist from the turn of the 19th century on, but lessen in frequency starting around the 1930s. By then... Everybody knew how to make sweet tea, and recipes became unnecessary, like instructions for walking. In 1879, Marianne Cabell Tyree published Housekeeping in Old Virginia, which many believe contains the first printed sweet tea recipe. Tyree advocates a squeeze of lemon, writing that lemon will make this delicious and healthful as it will correct the astringent tendency. By the 1920s, Americans were stocking their kitchens with specialized iced tea glasses, long spoons, and dainty lemon forks. In Southern Cooking, published in 1928, Henrietta Stanley Dahl advises women to serve sweet tea with a sprig of mint, a strawberry, a cherry, a slice of orange or pineapple. Milk, she writes, is not used in iced tea. No word on sweet and low. South Carolina was the first place in the United States to grow commercial tea, an industry founded in the late 1700s when French explorer and botanist André Michaud stopped by with a tea plant in his satchel. He also brought a crepe myrtle and camellias. If he'd imported a hog, we'd have statues to the guy in every southern town square. For some time, sweet tea was a sign of wealth. Sugar and ice cost money. To be able to use both in a drink was flashing serious old-timey bling. Then refrigeration happened, and any garden-variety cracker could have sweet tea with ice. Sugar got cheaper, then ubiquitous, and with it, sweet tea. It is impossible to imagine eating most Southern foods without sweet tea. You can't wash down pulled pork with water. It takes a beverage with some oomph to cut through lard-dunked catfish. The sugar in sweet tea is nature's intestinal draino. 
The caffeine makes it possible to drive home after a Sunday brunch of fried chicken and cheese grits. This is not to say sweet tea goes with everything. Pizza requires Coke. Curry requires beer. Only that it marries best with the food of our people, cementing its status as the iconic Southern libation. In 2003, Georgia Representative John Noel introduced House Bill 819, proposing to require all Georgia restaurants that serve tea to offer sweet tea, defined in the bill as iced tea which is sweetened with sugar at the time when it is brewed. The bill, which warned that any person who violates this code section shall be guilty of a misdemeanor of a high and aggravated nature, was, of course, a joke. But Noel reportedly said he wouldn't mind if it actually passed into law. My sweet tea addiction came into full bloom not in Georgia, where I lived for many years and enjoyed many a first-rate glass of tea, but in Knoxville, Tennessee, at a modest family-run tea room called the Chintzy Room. The Chinty Room is a side-of-the-road junk shop cafe that sells painted furniture and chenille throws along with barbecue and corn chowder. Run by Bobby Miller and her daughter Kelly Fibbs, it offers superior chicken salad and a strawberry cake. But what it brings in folks for as far away as Utah is the sweet tea. The tea at the Chintzy Rose transcends the beverage category. It is more of a meal, a song, a poem. Notes of orange and lemon intertwine with the sharpness of the tea, all of it buoyed by a mysterious sweetness unlike your basic simple syrup. Then serve it with an orange wedge in a chunky crystal glass. But it hardly matters. They could serve it out of their shoes and people would still line up to drink it. It is the Proust of sweet tea. Complicated, elusive, not for the weak of heart. Every mouthful reveals another layer of flavor. The ladies won't divulge how they make the tea so rich and compelling, citing secret ingredients. I'm pretty sure one of them starts with a C and ends with rack. According to Kelly, their tea started as a custom blend supplied on the down low by a guy from the local JFG Coffee Company factory. He never told us what was in it either. After a time, the ladies made their own concoction, loose tea. It was a lot of trouble. Now, all they'll cop to is a combination of teas. We always make it strong. Most people in the South like it strong and sweet. Kelly says she gets a lot of folks who come only for the sweet tea, $1.75, and free refills. I've had a bunch of people tell us we should open a drive through window so they won't have to get out of their cars. This woman came in a while back for the first time, remembers Kelly, and every time I walked out there, her glass was empty. By about the fifth trip, I said, again? And she said it would be easier if I just brought an IV and hooked her up. When I lived in Knoxville, I drank chintzy rose tea every day. I had my own table in the back, right by the kitchen, and my first glass of tea was generally waiting there for me before my jeans hit the seat. I could never, no matter how many times I swore to myself beforehand that today would be the day, drink just one glass. My resolve melted with the sugar. I took others to the chintzy rose, veteran tea drinkers who swore that so-and-so's tea was better until they tasted their first sip of chintzy's tea. Then looked at me, their eyes glazed, breath short, speechless with wonder and gratitude. I brought Yankees in, too. Folks who had never heard of sweet tea, which was a bit unfair, really, because after the rose, none would compare. Kind of like seeing the Beatles for your first concert or learning to drive in a Ferrari. When I left Knoxville, eight pounds heavier, incidentally, I begged Kelly for the recipe, and by begged, I mean I offered either one of my daughters in trade. I never got the secret. Since then, I've tried to replicate their sweet tea in my own kitchen. I haven't come close. Still, my mother likes it. I tell her it's like hers, only without the carcinogens. She says she doesn't notice the difference. And thanks, folks, for joining us today on the Southern Sisters Radio Show. Don't forget, we're giving away two cookbooks this hour. Just email me at radio at southernsistershome.com. 
me you'd like a book. The first two will go to whoever emails me. Also, don't forget, do you need some Christmas gift ideas? My cookbooks are on sale 30% off for a personalized copy. All you have to do is use promo code SISTERS at checkout. Go to southernsistershome.com. I hope it's a great week. Thank you for joining us here at Southern Sisters Radio. If you have questions for Jenny, want more information about something you heard on today's show, or want to enter any of the Southern Sisters contests, visit southernsistershome.com. And remember to connect with Jenny on Facebook at Southern Sisters Home with Jenny McCormick Earhart. 